All right, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Fandex, the podcast where you write the rules. I am Paul, and here is my co-host, Matt. This is Matt. All right, and today we are covering a very interesting topic, the existence of a website known as Tabletop Campaign Repository has come to my attention, and I want to shed some highlight on a very wonderful project the community has been working on, the Warhammer community at large, that is. But before that, let's jump into our Tutors and Allies segment. <clears throat> All right, Matt, would you like to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Why don't you go first this time? All right. So once again, we're covering the uh, more anyway. I don't know if the second half or the second third of my Saga of the Beast Space Wolves supplement that I wrote right around the time that I found out that Saga of the Beast was going to be a thing. And uh, so to keep things thematic, I've looked up facts about cold uh, and Vikings. So here's your first fact. The boiling point of hydrogen, that is also its condensing point when it goes from gas to liquid, is a very cold minus 423 degrees Fahrenheit. That's minus 252 degrees Celsius or 20.271 Kelvin if you're really scientific. However, its melting point is much, much colder uh, at a mere 434 degrees Fahrenheit. So really not that much colder. That's 259 degrees Celsius or 13.99 Kelvin. So that's fact number one, is that the melting point of hydrogen is actually pretty close to its boiling point, albeit both are very, very cold. A little chilly. Yeah. I just imagine if you dropped somebody in a room that was that cold, they would just freeze instantly, right? Yeah, probably. It's crazy to think about. So second fact is that Vikings developed these sling bullets that actually had holes carved into them. So that way, when they were slung, they would create this incredible screaming loud sound. It was it's I've seen a YouTube video. It is very, very loud. Um and uh, they would use this as sort of like more of a terror weapon because a lot of people had never heard anything that loud, much less, you know, you can imagine if a bunch of Vikings slung these screaming bullets at people. They were slings, but, you know, that it would be very terrifying. Finally, turns out that uh, the Viking ship, which I thought it was faster than this, but the Viking ship that you know, everybody recognizes the shape of it's got oars and the single sail. Uh, I think it's just simply called a long ship, all one word. It actually, even under favorable conditions, it's top speeds about 15 nautical miles, or that's about 28 kilometers per hour. Pretty modest. So, so which, uh, is the, is the lie? Is it, is it that the Viking ship can go faster or even slower? Is it that, um, the bullets couldn't really, uh, is it the bullets one? I'm just going to leave that there. Or is it the, uh, um, hydrogen's melting point is actually very close to its, uh, boiling. I'm going to go with the second one, the, the whistling guys. Yes, you're right. Dang it. I, it is not Vikings who developed these screaming bullets. The screaming bullets are, is the truth part, but it's Romans okay. who developed these and they were very effective against people like the Vikings who were less technologically advanced, hadn't, you know, 
assumed that there was something truly awful about those bullets beyond the fact that they were just loud. And so it was very disruptive. And Viking ships only go 15 yeah. minutes. Yeah. All right. Mine are not necessarily Space Wolf uh, related, but more related to uh, their arch enemies, the Thousand Suns. Ooh, okay. All right. So um, Araman once implied that the Primarchs do not have intestines. Oh, interesting. Like literally or just like? Literally do not have intestines. Oh. Uh, the second fact is that uh, Araman brewed wine, and it was apparently a popular thing in the cafes on Prospero. Hmm. All right. And the third one is that Araman apparently owns the Rosetta Stone. I'm going to say that he actually does own the original Rosetta Stone. That would be hilarious, if true. I'm a little... I'm going to have to go with the wine one is not correct. So that's actually correct. Uh, it's apparently Malkador who owns the Rosetta Stone. Malkador owns, uh, is it, am I correct in that that was the lie? That was the, um, that was the lie. But Malkador brewed wine and that was popular on Prosperity. No, I'm sorry. I, I miscommunicated. Aramund, you were, you were incorrect. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So where was the lie? Uh, it was that Araman owned the Rosetta Stone. It's actually Malkador. Huh. It's, it's so apparently part point, of his Araman... private collection. Huh. Okay. That was a good one. Yeah. I really fell for that one. He also apparently has the Mona Lisa. <laughs> That's funny. What was the other thing that he owed instead, owned instead of the Rosetta Stone? Oh, uh, apparently he also owns the Mona Lisa. Oh, he did own. Right, right, right. Because I guessed wrong. Gotcha. Yeah. Ran, random oh, tidbit. Interesting. Okay, so... Oh, no, he did. It was Malkador, Malkador that actually yeah. did yeah. the wine thing? Yeah. Oh, that was Armin. Gotcha. Okay, but he didn't know the reception. Okay. No, no, that was Armin. It's been a long day. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. <laughs> All right. So, got me this time. Didn't get you this time. Uh, but I will definitely step it up a notch for next episode. Yeah. All right. So previous in previous episode, we started covering the equivalent to Space Wolf uh, combat doctrines. You can feel free to check out that episode. That is Saga of the Fan Part 1. And this should be TC Repo and Saga of the Fan Part 2. And the reason why that's in the title is I really want to talk about this amazing effort uh, by a Sean, I hope this is right, Bagley, who has created this website called Tabletop Campaign Repository. It does exactly what it says on the tin. It is a repository for any kind of homemade or homebrewed, if you will, uh, fan-made material. So this could be campaigns, missions, codexes. I recently read a lovely uh, bit on a Death World jungle terrain by masters of the forge another great podcast that really focuses on uh fan-made uh material but um it is a wonderful website and you absolutely should check it out i hope to be able to work with john to maybe come up with a more official sounding commercial that says everything he wants it to say um and looking forward to hopefully nurturing a closer relationship since his goals and my goals are very very similar 
we want to make the community a better place and highlight the amazing work that people are doing on their PCs and on their laptops and on their MacBooks and on, you know, pieces of pen and paper all, all over the world. So TC Repo, that is Tabletop Campaign Repository. Check it out if you have any interest in finding new material. And yes, there is material already there from or usable for a ninth edition. All right, so let's check out, let's continue with my Space Wolves supplement. We had just recently gotten to sagas, I believe. Yes. yes. And so the saga mechanic is not a new one, but I have tweaked it a little bit. Uh, it's basically Space Wolf Warlord traits, but the difference is that for every saga, there is a deed of legend to complete. And if your character completes this deed of legend, whatever the case may be, then his benefit that he gets from his Warlord trait becomes an aura buff. And it's usually not an aura buff to begin with. No, no. All right. And there were R6, as is a common number for most Warlord traits in the existing codex and uh, that existed at this time. And Saga of the Beast, I don't believe, granted any more sagas. It basically just brought Space Wolves in line with the other marine chapters. It gave them a super doctrine. Uh, not a whole lot else other than Ragnar. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, some extra stratagems for sure. But I thought that this is a perfect opportunity to really lean into what makes Space Wolves Space Wolves and really beef up their saga mechanic. So I have created 13 different sagas, 14 if you count Lucas the Trickster's personal saga that only he has, because he's Lucas the Trickster. Of course, he's going to want to be a unique yeah. individual, a special snowflake, as it were. Uh, and some of these will sound familiar, some of them are completely new, but even with the original ones, I kind of tweaked them if I felt like there, one, there were ones that are too situational. And apart from ones that are made for like specific unit types, like there's one for Iron Priests, which are the Space Wolves equivalent of, uh, uh, what are they called? Tech Mechanic. Marines. Tech Marines, thank yeah. you. Other than like really specific ones, they're uh, meant to be fairly usable by pretty much anybody and they generally boost combat power no so also keep in mind when i wrote this supplement i wrote it originally thinking that pretty much only matt was going to be the one to see this um and it made it basically for him since at the time we were talking about doing a campaign together and uh when in doubt i always erred on making something more overpowered rather than less so i'm sure that with this mechanic in conjunction with the rest of the supplement and the existing, at that point, 8th edition Space Wolves Codex, there are probably some ridiculously powerful combos. But to be fair, I figured, you know, the more characters you took to try and take advantage of the saga mechanic, then the fewer troops yeah. you'd actually have. So if you go pure Space Wolves, the way these sagas work is you get one for every character in your army, just as a free benefit. Sort of like instead of a super doctrine, you get uh, this saga benefit. So every single character would have these. And so you you can really lean into having your characters support each other and the rest of your army. Now, another thing is I've gone back and changed this so that way it's usable for ninth. And I have stipulated that these uh, these aura abilities affect core units and also any character units. 
because I did intend for these aura abilities to buff other characters as well as the uh, like the space wolf that actually has the said aura. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I think that's everything. We can jump right in. So first one is the saga of the warrior born, and the deed of legend is your warlord must hit with all of his melee attacks in a single fight phase. Now this is one of those instances where it's just warlord for the purposes of the saga trait obviously you don't need to put the saga or any of the sagas on a particular warlord or or, uh, rather on your actual bespoke warlord it's just anybody who happens to have this warlord trait because that's what a saga basically is so i say warlord a lot in these but it doesn't need to be all right now the benefit is you can always choose for a unit affected by the saga in the fight phase to fight first even if they didn't charge. And of course, if the enemy units have a similar ability, then you alternate. I I feel like since that's not like the craziest benefit, the Deed of Legend shouldn't be that difficult to achieve. So hitting with all of his melee attacks in a single fight phase isn't that crazy, uh, especially since spaces get plus one to hit if they charge, are charged, or heroically intervene. But you could put this on like a more supporting character like a librarian or a, or I guess that for space wolves, it would be a, a rune priest, or you could put it on a wolf priest, which is their equivalent of chaplains, and they don't have quite as many attacks. And two, a lot of the space wolf characters can really add a, add a lot of attacks. So it is one of those, it's, it's not necessarily um, a given. All right, so next one is Saga of the Wolfkin. If uh, a unit affected by this saga adds one to the attacks characteristic of all its models, and... That's pretty good benefit, but you have to make a consolidation move as your Deed of Legend. So you definitely will not get this the first time you fight, and obviously you have to survive that first fight. There you have it. That's what the the Deed of Legend and the Saga. And uh, that way, when you go in for the harder-to-kill enemy unit, it's now an aura buff, and you can buff, you know, Blood Claws or what have you. It's definitely greater going to the later game, especially if you're using some of the um, uh, the hunting patterns. Yeah, those will definitely tie in with kind of those later game turn three, turn four strikes. Ooh, that would be vicious. Yeah, I could I could see using this on a um, like a pretty cheapo battle leader with double wolf claws or something. That yeah, put him with a big old squad of fifteen blood claws. I d- I tend to play very infantry heavy firstborn marines anyway, um, but. Right, and I knew that going into this, so I figured let's really make it so that way you can buff the the living snow out of uh, your your many <laughs> infantry models. Yeah. All right, so next one is Saga of the Beast Slayer. Uh, this is the one that uh, Ulrich the Slayer has, so it's uh, no surprise to anyone. But it's add one to hit and wound rolls for attacks made by a unit affected by the Saga that target a monster vehicle. Straight and simple. But it only turns into an aura after you complete your Deed of Legend, which is destroy an enemy monster or vehicle with your Warlord. So I figure this one doesn't need to be anything other than it is, you know? All right. Next one is Saga of the Hunter. I think uh, I gave this one to Ragnar, but I'll, I'll have to double check. I gave Ragnar Saga of the Hunter. So for this one, a unit affected by the Saga in your charge phase can charge even if it advanced earlier. Uh, in the turn so again advance and charge extra reach it's great and the deed of legend to turn into an aura buff successfully charge an enemy unit which will be easier now that you have this uh warlord trait so the idea with this is is if you were really cunning you could charge uh you could advance multiple models including the or multiple units i should say 
including the character that had this saga, use his saga, which he already benefits to start with, to get in a longer range charge, because you could have advanced previously. And then once you get it in, as long as he was still within six inches of the other Space Wolf units, it, since it's now already an R ability, they can charge even if they had, had advanced earlier in the turn. Now, the only thing with that is I think in the Saga rules, it specifically states they don't affect greater units until the next turn. But I could be wrong with that. I don't have my book on me um, right this moment. Huh. Well, that is that makes a certainly a lot of sense. However, I intended for this to be able to get in right away. Okay. I figured that makes more sense since he's inspiring other people around him. So if they see him really make long bomb charge, they uh, might be uh, inspired to do it themselves. Yeah, I, I definitely would want to put that on a uh, Thunderwolf Lord. Maybe with the jump pack? Jump pack also is a good choice, yeah. It really, he might not need it at that point, but uh, wouldn't hurt, I suppose. All right, so next one's Saga of the Bear. This one I pretty much kept. Uh, you basically get a six up uh save after your normal save you, works for wounds or mortal wounds and uh the deed of legend is to successfully pass the saving throw so this one's great to put on something that like a uh, chapter ancient comes to my mind where your opponent really wants to target it but this might you know the the moment they do and the moment your guy passes a save then he gets that much harder to kill yeah it's yeah, and and to any of those units you want to just stick backfield and like have buff long right. things or anything like that. It's, yeah, right. Also, could be good for uh, Phobos Virtue. Captain. Could re you could really lean into the toughness thing, and by like Artificer Armor for your Primaris Captain and Gravis Armor, or the new uh, the new Captain from the Indominus box. He's got that special shield which gives him a four up. Oh in yeah. Bone. Uh, actually, yeah, for him, yeah. I guess that would be superfluous because he has... Well, not not totally. It would, wouldn't be superfluous against uh, regular wounds. It just would be superfluous on mortal wounds because his shield gives him a four-up shrug against mortal wounds. And hmm. you, in the ninth edition specifically states that you can't have more than one shrug save. Um, in so many words, obviously, it doesn't use the word shrug. This is, for those of you who don't know, a save that you can take after you've failed your armor or invulnerable yeah. save i definitely do like the idea of this also on another um relatively cheap um character be it like a legion or not legion champion sorry um company champion or um even even a a battle leader just up with a bunch of blood claws or or great hunters yeah interesting that you mentioned company champions we'll get more to that later go on oh uh, just having a uh, suddenly having a feel no pain on a bunch of dudes right in the deep of it can really that can be a, a game changing thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, yeah, it does become an aura once he passes a saving throw. All right. Next one is Saga of the Ancients. Speaking of Ancients, uh, you can only put this one on Ancients of any variety. So like it doesn't matter if they're in Terminator armor, yada, yada. But you can also put it on Wolf Lords or Dreadnoughts, who could presumably also be pretty old. Uh, a unit affected by this saga may reroll hit rolls and wound rolls of one. 
So obviously it's going to be a little um, uh, redundant on Wolf Lord since they already re-roll wound, uh, hit rolls of one anyway. But uh, it's definitely not redundant on Ancients of or Dreadnoughts. Yeah. And you might want to put it more on Dreadnoughts because the Deed of Legend is to destroy an enemy unit that did not suffer any wounds from other units with your Warlord. So you have to single-handedly knock out an enemy unit, at least a small one, and then it can become an aura, which I think kind of makes sense. I definitely expect most people would put this on a Dreadnought uh, Mm -hmm. because a Dreadnought is more capable of completely destroying a unit. And this way, I I made it specifically so that you have to destroy the whole unit single-handedly so that way you couldn't put it on an Ancient, have your other squads whittle down the unit, and then him just take out the last guy or two with his bolter or whatever and then be like ah look free captain and lieutenant buff on my ancient sitting in the back lines with my long you said uh wolf lord could take it correct so my immediate thought with this is um put on a wolf lord uh basically the smash captain loadout uh with the jump pack and the thunder hammer and then you just have him basically as a backline defender against um Oh, you'd have him as a backline defender. That's yeah, I mean, it's it's easy enough to to drop him out and kill something and hit back. Um, and then, like, you don't really need it for long things because they have their, their built-in re-rolls, but That's right. there's a lot of stuff that. backfield. Um, what what does, he, um, does the ability affect tanks? Is it... It's, no, 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 no. It's just core and... Um, just core. No, it's only core units, which I'm sure there will be, like, yeah. rhinos will be core, I imagine, but... Again, you're not. Nobody's buffing a, a rhino to for to increase its killing. No, power. but I mean like hell blasters. Oh, but definitely things like uh, Saga of the Bear would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be good. I guess every reroll yeah. helps, right? There's a, there's a lot of good stuff you could use on. Yeah, you can't go wrong. All right, so yeah, that's Saga of the Ancient. And of course, you can put it on dreadnoughts because one of the stratagems I included was a stratagem to make one dreadnought in your army, and only one a character and have them have a saga then because they're a character all right so now we're starting to get into the very specific ones uh this is saga of fenris it's basically a saga for uh, rune priests which are the space wolf psychic casters and they uh they can make count any rolls of a one as a roll of a two when taking a psychic test as long as the power they are attempting to cast is from the tempesta still discipline which is the space wolf discipline and the deed of legend is to cast the psychic power from the tempestus discipline successfully there you go now i i don't feel like making the threshold for the deed of deed of legend uh very high matters much in this one because you'd have to take multiple rune priests and put them pretty close together in order for this to be useful now i will say there's a fringe case that this is really good um well not necessarily really good because you're investing a lot of points into this but there is a um a stratagem i think if you have three rune priests that they can basically all uh use living lightning together Ooh. uh and it makes it like a mega lightning bolt that does i want to say it's like d6 i I don't remember the numbers d6 wounds is it's a lot of moral wounds not nothing to and uh yeah um i'll have to look it up i'll look it up but uh it's it's a lot of Gotcha. Okay, so it's uh, one command point. It's called Living Storm. Use this stratagem if a Space Wolf's Psyker from your army within six inches of at least two other friendly Space Wolf Psykers uh, and manifest the Living Lightning Psychic power. Whenever that power would inflict D3 mortal wounds, it instead inflicts D6. So it's, yeah, so it, 
Um, it's not a specific model. Any model that was using Living Lightning could then do so. Yes, exactly. And for those who don't know, Living Lightning is basically a smite. Uh, it's a smite that can bounce if it kills a unit. If that unit is destroyed as a result, the closest enemy within 18 inches of the last model from the unit to be removed suffers D3 mortal wounds and so on until a unit is not destroyed or there are no enemy units within 18 inches. Yeah, so it, it can bounce pretty much constantly. Now, especially with the D6, that's going to be really solid. I feel like 9th really leans towards MSU. You could You could pull off some pretty good... Some pretty good moves with that especially too because you can smite before doing it so or after doesn't work so much with a lot of the space marine um and this is a, a total tangent but a lot of the space marine characters have completely different um entries now like um you don't just have like a rune priest entry you have the rune priest you have the rune priest in terminator armor uh the rune priest on a bike i don't think that exists anymore but they all have like separate entries anymore, yeah. Um, so like I do like bringing them in in Terminator armor too occasionally. But if I'm bringing just a foot rune priest, like a firstborn rune priest, absolutely, I'm putting a jetpack on it because it's it's not that many points. Of it. Because then you could have like Nyal Stormcaller or honestly just a regular three rune priests. Have one of them cast uh, a power. Have them have the Saga of Fenris. Uh, and then they all are counting ones as twos, which definitely makes not only psychic casting easier, but half as uh, lethal because you're half as likely to roll for perils of the warp. Uh, yeah, so that's Saga of Fenris. This next one is no, Saga of Wrath. The Saga of Wrath. So the Saga of Wrath, a unit affected by the Saga inflicts a mortal wound on an unmodified wound roll of six in addition to any other damage in the fight phase. So that's incredible. But the only way for it to turn into a deed of legend uh, is for a unit within six inches of the warlord must suffer casualties uh, until there is only one model in the unit. Uh, so... The other way you can get this is if a model becomes a character due to the lone wolf stratagem, they may immediately select the saga and consider their deed of legend already performed. I know I'm going to sound like a broken record, but man, I want that on a frontline character with wolf claws and a bunch of uh, blood claws around them. Pretty sure that uh, wolf guard battle leaders, which are the equivalent of lieutenants, uh, you can take them in pairs, just like you can in the regular Space Marine Codex. Isn't that right? Um, I don't think we have the limitation on it yet, uh, but likely with the new one. Or, oh, wait, do you mean do you mean the claws? Awesome. Well, you could definitely do for Space Marines it, or for Codex adherent Space Marines. You can take two lieutenants as a single HQ choice. Oh, I don't think we can. I don't think we can. Yeah, I don't think you can. I made a list that actually uses all 13 sagas. Yeah, you can. And cannot. I don't believe you can. It probably is. You probably don't need to anyway, because you actually can take a lot of different characters yeah, yeah. if you use your elite slot cleverly. I would definitely fix that. It's, it's a perfectly reasonable thing, especially since these days HQ slots are actually pretty hard to come by. And for an army that wants a lot of heroes, there's no reason why it's not too much to ask for to make their... Lieutenants yeah. work the same way as other armies' lieutenants work. 
All right, so this next one is specifically for chaplains, or wolf priests as the case may be, and that is Saga of the Hero Smith. If a unit is affected by the saga, they are affected by any and all recitations made by Space Wolves wolf priests within six inches, not just the unit selected by the wolf priests. So recitations are essentially, you know, the prayers that Space Wolves wolf priests do. I wanted a different word. And uh, the deed of legend is the warlord must make two different recitations. Now, that's pretty easy to do if your warlord is like Ulrich, but Ulrich comes with uh, Saga of the Beast Slayer. So on a regular wolf priest, unless you upgraded him to a, um, well, I guess you really couldn't upgrade him since that's already Ulrich. Although I guess you could just say that this is in a time before or after Ulrich and uh, have him be a master of sanctity so he can uh, make cast two prayers. Um, but basically, even if it's just a regular old wolf priest, then you can get this by the end of the second turn because you could have cast two different uh recitations by then all right so next one is saga of iron and this is your uh iron priest saga and it's nothing terribly creative they can add one to their blessing of the omnissiah role and i do note that a roll of a one could succeed if multiple warriors with the saga combined their aura abilities but in order to do that you'd have to have at least 14 characters in your army total <laughs> You can do it. You can do it. That's not the first one I would double up on. Uh, so at that point, if you've really leaned into it that hard, yeah. more power to you. You could. You can, and I'll show you how. Uh, but yeah, That's if, what Apocalypse is for. And their Deed of Legend is they must repair two or more wounds to a Space Wolves vehicle. So again, it's not. It's going to be very, very difficult to uh, abuse this Saga's aura ability. <laughs> Uh, so I didn't make it particularly difficult. Now, if you're feeling really spicy, what you do is you get yourself a uh, Leviathan with the double snippy claws. You make him a character with the stratagem. And so he's harder to target. Uh, and you run him with a bunch of, uh, iron priest homies and you just make him unkillable. Yeah. And apocalypse it's incredible. Well, I guess if it was an onslaught game where it's 3000 points, you could definitely work in multiple Iron Priests and get a bunch of uh, character Dreadnoughts. Or not character Dreadnoughts. Well, one of them could be a character. But have a bunch of Dreadnoughts, and now it suddenly makes sense to do that. But, uh, yeah, and you make the... Uh, I would pair that with a Redemptor Dreadnought, or whatever Dreadnought is the toughest. I think maybe... Uh, I thought the Leviathan Dreadnought had more than 10 moons. I think it has 13. And therefore, okay, if it has 13 then it would not be you wouldn't be able to hide it so i would put it oh on, that's right that's maybe right. i i don't know my dreadnoughts that well that kind of peers over his uh that is sort of like an exposed normal helmet oh, great i just search up dreadnought and i get the battleship all right so long story short that is saga of iron all right so this next one is saga of tenacity it's not a defensive buff it's an offensive buff i just love the true grit stratagem i think it's the coolest thing since sliced bread if a unit is affected by the saga, they may count all of their weapons as if they were affected by the true grit stratagem, which for those of you who don't know, lets you count your rapid fire weapons as pistols or your bolters specifically. It can't be just any rapid fire weapon. You can't do it with a plasma gun, but it has to be bolters and they can, uh, excuse me, count them as pistols. In addition, each model in the unit may make a single bonus close combat attack resolved at their base strength with an AP of zero and a damage characteristic of one. So basically, I like to think that that's them headbutting and using any other means possible 
to ensure that they kill as much as possible. Yes, so there is the Deed of Legend. The Warlord must destroy five or more models with bolt weapons and or close combat weapons with an AP value of zero or negative one in their profile. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Now, were there any restrictions on this? So here's my immediate thought with this. This is like a corner case, almost never going to happen, but uh, a lone wolf uh, aggressor would be uh, I don't know. Like, does, <laughs> tr- does the true grit stratagem affect aggressors? And they are called like... It can. I think it's just space. They call. They are called like bolter gauntlets or something like that. I mean, right? it, it needs to be pistols. Bolt storm but, gauntlets. So they're. Uh, I would assume yeah, they count as a bolter gauntlets. weapon. But I don't know if the true grit only affects rapid fire bolter weapons or just any weapon with the word bolter in it. I imagine probably not that because then that would include heavy bolters, and I know it doesn't work for them. Oh, it specifies all models can fire their auto bolt rifles, bolt guns, bolt rifles, and bolt carbines, as if they have the. Pistol two, type. right? Because those are the guns that actually have a pistol grip in them. Uh, yeah, right. Okay, that makes sense, and that's that's almost too bad because uh, I I, I kind of feel like since the but since the Primaris Captain in Gravis armor, his Bolt Storm Gauntlet is a pistol type, that they should make all the aggressors and the. Or rather, the bolt storm gauntlets that are on the aggressors and the bolt storm gauntlet that is on the captain, the same profile. Because it doesn't make sense to me that that, uh, that in their actual unit entry, they're not the same. I can understand if like there's a stratagem or like an ability or warlord trait that allows like the captain to use his superior skill to make it a pistol. I mean, heck, I the hunting patterns ability, one of them, the cyclic hunt, actually allows you to do that, but. I, I don't know. I just feels it feels weird to me that they're that they're different, but with no explore ex- explanation as to why. I don't know. I'm just. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. All right. So knows? this last one is Saga of Majesty. So this is the one you can only actually put on your warlord. If a unit is affected by this saga, they automatically pass morale tests. In addition, if they are a character, you increase the range of any aura abilities they have by six inches. Uh, obviously, That's it doesn't really include things like explodes, but it also doesn't include healing bombs, battlesmith, abilities of relics of the fang, etc. It also doesn't affect recitations or psychic powers. So it could be their saga, but it um, can't be anything else. You can't game it too much. Now, the obviously, especially in this saga of the beasts, like supplemented army with a bunch of characters with all these sagas running around, this is a tremendously huge power. Uh, if you can get it to expand to become an aura, uh, because then your your aura is expanded already. But if you can expand other characters' saga auras uh, by a further six inches, it's huge. By the way, all sagas have a six-inch aura buff when they become an aura buff. It's just set. And uh, so I knew I needed to set a high bar for this Deed of Legend. And so not only did I make it so that only your actual bespoke warlord can be given the saga, but you he has to destroy an enemy character in order for it to become, in order for him to fulfill his Deed of Legend. Yeah, I, um, now with this one, I definitely, uh, my gut reaction with this is I don't want to bank on that. It's solid, but um, I want to use that as like a, an additional purchased warlord trait on yeah you know what i mean i wouldn't want to just like oh that's their whole thing but uh that's definitely something uh for a frontline kind of really combat character uh 
if you're just throwing them down the field with a bunch of boys, that is uh, running some of those hunting patterns. Uh, you can you can have some massive lake. Yeah, obviously it will only expand their auras if their auras if they have auras to begin with. Um, and like like I said, it doesn't affect recitations or psychic powers, so they actually have to have expanded their aura ability um, by completing their own deeds of legend. So, like you said, it's not going to be something you can really take advantage of until, like, late game. Yeah, I, I, I like that on, like, um, like a Terminator uh, Wolf Lord. Especially if you give him give him the um, Feel No Pain World of Trade Oh, yeah, two. suck up the bear. Yeah, just yeah. go hard with him. You can, you could probably get that off pretty early, and you can, he's a, he's a unit you need to deal with, and at that point, that's gonna let the rest of your army just kind of, and of course, there is uh, a stratagem to give your bespoke warlord a second uh, saga. All right, so that is the sagas mechanic. Realize that one of the sagas I had in there previously was better off as a stratagem, so I made it a stratagem, and the stratagem is called Saga of the Tracker. And basically, you have to give up your saga, uh, and you cannot play use the stratagem on your warlord. But in exchange for giving up your saga and for it, it doesn't cost any command points. It's just it's zero command points. Uh, but you do give up your your saga, and what they get to do instead is basically a nine inch deep strike. They get to deploy anywhere on the battlefield further than nine inches away from enemy models in turns two or three. But if they don't destroy uh, a u- uh, character model, or they can do, they pick a character, vehicle, or monster to be their prey for your Saga of the Tracker character. And if that model is not destroyed by the end of the fourth battle round, you remove your, your Saga of the Tracker character as a casualty, which represents him moving the head leaving the battle to set up an ambush for their field rather than actual death. But if he manages to destroy the enemy model, he gains plus one to his attacks characteristic and gains or regains one lost wound, which could bring him beyond his starting profile. So potentially really bountiful, and it's zero CP, but you have the stipulation where you have to hold him in reserve till turn two, at least. Um, he needs to kill his prey uh target whatever that you make that and it's not gonna be easy right it's either a character vehicle or monster and he gives up his saga on top of it so that's why i felt like not having that cost zero c uh any command points was justified what do you think man that seems solid i have to play it a couple times um again my first thought is just really aggressive uh terminator wolf lord it could definitely be very good yeah i'd have to play around with that one a little bit in this building Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry to interrupt your podcast, but we recorded about double the audio, usable audio, that is, that we could actually fit into a single episode and keep episodes around the same length, which is what we're trying to do for the sake of consistency. Thank you so much for all of your support and listening, and tune in next week for Saga of the Fan Part 3. That should be coming out Saturday, October 10th, I believe or whichever is the next Saturday from the state. Thank you so much, and thanks again for listening.